the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Yesterday, man, what happened? Janet Yellen. Woo! Pretty hot. Pretty hot, all things considered, for a Federal Reserve chieftain. Um... Wall Street went kind of crazy yesterday. We'll talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We opened a little bit weaker today, but this is turning out to be a very interesting year as far as which way are we going to break. Capital markets kind of freeze when the Fed Open Market Committee policy directives are are being played out. And they kind of go, what is our next move? And yesterday the Federal Reserve kind of gave us a little bit more. So currency markets where the U.S. dollar got whacked. So remember how there's been that strong dollar week euro, good time to go to Europe next year. That reversed a little bit yesterday. Stocks, bonds, and commodities all went higher. Those moves occurred despite the word patient being removed from the directive. So the Federal Reserve did say instead of we're going to be patient, well, let me get into the directive a little bit more. So they take the word patient out. Basically, there's a lower central tendency projections for real GDP and inflation and downward revisions for the expected path of the federal funds rates didn't create any fear that rate hikes are coming anytime soon. And ultimately, they said, you know, growth isn't going to be that great. They lowered the growth expectations. So bad news is good news. As the Fed chair, Janet Yellen, tries to assert the reminder that a rate hike could happen at any meeting, yet the response by the capital markets was effectively, ha, 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 you know you do not. No, you not. So markets were pleased. Stock market's response. Um... I find it unnerving. I don't find it lovely. 
when you're hearing growth expectations are being muted a bit. And, you know, 2% is a good economy and not 2.5%, 3%. The swings in the currency markets were monstrous, downright damaged from speculators who had been banking on the strong dollar trade in perhaps the same way they had banked on the Swiss maintaining the cap on the franc. Weak economic data and falling earnings growth estimates are dull factors in the mind of the market, where the cerebral cortex lights up with doses and thoughts of continued accommodation. Just ding, 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 keep, keep, cheap money, cheap money, cheap money. I'll take it. Okay. It's been a crazy run for me. I'm, I'm pleased with my wealth. There will be a return to normalcy at some point, but in the course of that return, things could get pretty crazy. And again, it's all going to be about, it's not all going to be about employment numbers, but as that continues to improve in the United States, that should create more wage inflation as well as commodity inflation. People have jobs, they go out to restaurants, and people have jobs, they go out and buy houses. Now, the one thing that's really struggling here, but it's really much, much more than that. And one part of housing is dependent on, do we make babies or not? Just an amazing idea that a man and a woman could make a baby. They could gestate inside a woman's womb for nine months. Uh, just, that's a miracle in of itself, right? So we're not making babies like we used to, and babies are big business. Babies cause us to work more. Babies cause us to spend money on raising them. Babies cause us to send money to get them to go into college. Getting them to go into college hopefully gets them a good-paying job. Good-paying jobs support local taxes. Initial claims for the week ending March 14th ticked up to 291,000 from 290,000 the week before. So that's still a pretty good number. Continuing claims for the week ended March 7th dipped to 2.417. Again, that's probably going to continue to put jobs number pressure lower. Unemployment will go lower with this. Um, let's see. So again, the first Friday of every month is going to be very, very important on the future of the interest rates. A number of retailers reported earnings results since yesterday. Uh, the results were better than expected. So Williams-Sonoma, think Pottery Barn, think Williams-Sonoma, for one, warned that its first quarter and fiscal 2015 earnings prospects are going to be pinched by the West Coast port shutdown. Thank you, Longshoremen. Um, and Longshoremen Union or Longshoreman Management, however you want to blame it, it's it sucks. Because if you take a look at a picture of Ports of L.A., uh, there's still many, 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 many boats waiting to come in. So the market's lower, partly down in expectation of the recognition that Wednesday's post-FOMC rally wasn't rooted in economic and earning strength, but rather in a policy fix that's getting overplayed. Um, I agree with that statement. Boone Pickens says he sees oil at $70 by year's end. Boone Pickens is one of those cowboys of cowboys. You can tell he's from Oklahoma or one of those incredible uh, oil-rich areas of the world. He's an energy entrepreneur. He sees oil at $70 a barrel by the year's end and between 80 and 90 within 12 to 18 months. Pickens did dial down his longer-range forecast from December when he had then predicted on squawk 90 to $100 a barrel in the next 12 to 18 months. So he's he's considered an expert, and he certainly knows more than you or me put together. Um, but sometimes he gets a little bit bullish. He predicted $6 natural gas within five years. Natural gas is around $2.90 level. So 
he's saying there's a lot of value here. And if you could push his time frame out a little further and be willing to buy a little bit lower, I think he's right. Oil prices turned sharply lower again in early trading under $43 a barrel. After Kuwait said OPEC had no choice but to keep production steady, refocus the market on the oversupplyness that's going on. Um, so T. Boone Pickens, he, he's like one of those guys that guys, he goes, God darn it, Maria Bartiromo. I see oil going, Psh, that black gold. Like, he's that kind of fun to listen to. Uh, Tesla's going to come up with something today. What will it be? Some sort of software update that, that eliminates range anxiety? I've got other types of anxiety that maybe Elon Musk can help me with, uh, but range anxiety of my electric vehicle isn't one of them because I don't have an electric vehicle. Uh, I like burning so much oil and gas that, you know, I have an SUV, and in the back of it I have a, a miniature SUV. So uh, I'm not electric vehicle driven at this point in time. Of course, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, so we're going to learn about that at 9 o'clock this morning Pacific time. Um, I'll try not to talk any more Janet Yellen. I'll try. Can't promise that. Uh, I'll talk about what an interest rate increase means for you. It means higher mortgages. It means higher borrowing costs, higher credit card costs. It means if you're in construction that you know the people who are paying the bills have to pay more to borrow money. And they want to make a certain amount of do-re-mi for their families, so they start cutting costs, and you might be that cost. I'm going to elect talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Take a break here. Be right back. Once a year, I'll see them for a week or so at Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Hmm. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Subway is one of the cheapest major fast food restaurants to franchise. To open one restaurant, the company requires that potential franchisees have a net liquid assets of at least $30,000. A net worth of eighty thousand to three hundred ten thousand dollars. So they don't want you opening it up and needing money and hitting a hardship in your personal life. McDonald's requires its franchisees to have at least seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in assets and a minimum net worth of seven hundred thousand dollars. Subway franchisees need less money because the sandwich chains restaurants are cheaper to open. If you go in and take a look at a store at a McDonald's versus taking a look at a store of the Subways, you could kind of see it, right? To open up a, a McDonald's, it's going to cost you about $2.3 million to buy all the equipment. To open up a Subway, about $250,000. Um, the average Subway generates about $490,000 in sales, compared to $2.5 million in average for McDonald's. I have no interest in being a franchisee. Some people do. Some people don't. Um, 
I see way too many people open up franchises and then become slaves to them. That doesn't really... When I say slaves to them, I, I'm clearly using the word slave incorrectly. Um, but they're chained to their company and they feel like they have to you know, train employees and train employee theft and things along those lines. And it never looks attractive to me. With that said, let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Some alarming statistics crossing my desk. 75% of iPhone owners will likely upgrade their current model to Apple's next generation smartphone by the end of the year. For Americans, the average monthly cost of shopping is $736. Boomers spend on average $650 a month alone on technology. These three statistics combined tell me, wow, there's a lot of cash flow issues out there. You know, it's... It's tough to look at some of the statistics that are out there and feel very positive about investing sometimes because of the demographics, because of how Americans act, even after this bubble that we've had. you got to remember that a lot of companies that you're investing in, though, are outside the U.S. in terms of revenue. They're getting a lot of their revenue from you know, emerging markets, middle classes growing around the world. But here's a big one, Rob, is that one of the reasons why people spend so much is because they don't know what they're spending. Seventy percent of Americans don't have a budget. And there's no excuse for that. There's absolutely no excuse because of the free tools that are out there, like Mint.com, LearnVest. I mean, all these tools that you can link your accounts to, and it will tell you what you're spending. It'll keep an eye on it for you. Most bank accounts, whether it's Wells Fargo or Credit Union, have spending tracking capabilities as well. So there's no reason that you should know what you're spending. And when you know what you're spending on, you can start coming up with numbers that make a little bit more sense. For instance... Um, if every four years you buy a new car, instead of getting a $50,000 car, get a $40,000 car, you start, you know, what is that, 10 times 4, you save $400,000. Like, you could save a ton of money fast if you're just smart about your decisions in your lifetime. Yeah, because you might like to drive something new. As long as it's new to you, you know, why not get a oh, car that's, that's least... You know, that's, 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 that's cliches that I don't like. If it's new to you. If it's, it's new, new to you. Yeah, it's yeah. not really new. But it is. I mean, you, assets like cars are I don't like other people have driven my car. It's like pre-chewed food. I don't like it. Well, it doesn't bother me because I beat up cars and have three kids. And so they don't and last. It, it, they're, they're not clean very long, so it doesn't bother me at all. Again, that's where I'm good at it. It's silly to, to idolize new cars. It, we do idolize things in, in this country. iPhone, got to have a new one. New car, got to have a new one. Um, I don't have a pursuit for material objects. And again, I say that... I like my my vacations to be grand, and I, I splurge on my vacations. I don't splurge on my car. Yeah, because it's the memories. That's where I splurge. It's things like the activities, the things that you know keep you balanced in life and passion. That's where, that's where I tend to overspend. Boating, <laughs> there's no good good way to spend on that, but it's a blast for the family. But at the same time, I'm you know 42% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and then once they get past that point where they actually have excess income. Then they end up overspending before they save. And so people are doing it backwards. Um, and they'll never get to retirement. They're going to be retiring when they're 75 or 80 years old because they're going to have to work till a, a ripe old age. It, when you look at baby boomers right now, some of the facts that you see from AARP to Fidelity to any – you're seeing about 97% of baby boomers are have not saved enough for retirement. Luckily, though – the baby boomers, a lot of their parents were Depression-era people that save, 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 save. They're worth millions of dollars, and they live off their Social Security. So there is some wealth transfer that will save a, probably half to 60% of these baby boomers. But after that, they're going to be relying on the system, and they're going to be broke. 
I'm with you on that. And again, the way you spend money now will shape how much you save so that you don't have to rely on the system. If you've got kids, swap with other parents' books. You don't have to go buy your kids new books all the time. Just swap with other parents. Swap toys. Because, again, it's new to them. They don't know any difference. I don't remember much. I don't remember anything before age six. Yeah, well, you're seeing that, too. And, um, you know, if you like to shop a lot, and it's the same thing, there's a, there's a um, learnvest.com is a site that you and I have talked about sure. before. It's kind of um, financial planning for women by women type of a site. And they talk about things like clothing swaps. Rather than go out and hit the sales and spend money that you could be putting into your 401k, if you have $1,000 that goes into your 401k, you'll save $300 on taxes, and you'll have $1,000 working for you. If you take earn $1,000, you have $700 left after you pay taxes to go shopping with. So it's you got to think about you know who's getting your money. Is it your saving, or is it your what retailer? Do you think, what do you think about reusing toothpaste? Reusing toothpaste. What do you do? How do you how do you solidify it again, Rob? You don't. You don't. You just spit it out in a cup and then you use it the next night. I think that's a horrible idea. Do With what? that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I like the idea. I'm Rob Black. So the jobless claims up slightly. That's okay. No big story there. It's the same old, same old. Economy is slowly improving. Apple's got its first day sitting on the iDAO. Yeah, Dow Jones Industrial Average just changed their name to the iDAO. World's most valuable company. Typically, it's a curse to be added because there's so much hype leading up to it. And then there's a letdown. It's an old company now. It's got a nice dividend. Can they keep growing? I'll tell you what. If they do, we're going to see Dow 25,000 sooner than you think. Um, the iPhone maker Apple... Uh, scratching AT&T off. It's interesting. Typically when someone's added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, it's 30 stocks, someone gets kicked out. And someone gets added in. So uh, the people who get kicked out tend to do a little bit better, all things considered, in the next year. Yellow cabs now outnumber Uber cars on New York City streets. That's a big one. If you've ever been to New York, it's one of the images that you'll always remember is you know, yellow taxi cabs everywhere. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Thanks for being patient. Some big announcements out yesterday. Not just the interest rate issue that the Federal Reserve's dealing with. When will they, or won't they, or when will they raise interest rates? Or just leave them where they are. Starbucks sheds light on its delivery plans yesterday. Starbucks is going to deliver coffee to your home and office. Details will follow, of course, but they're also splitting their stock. Very interesting. Joining me now... 
Chris Siachia, the Street.com's tech editor. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? Good. When you first heard that Starbucks delivering story, were you like, do we need, what was your reaction? Uh, I'll be completely honest. I don't drink coffee, so I was like, eh. But I mean, if, if you drink coffee and you're, you know, you're a big Starbucks fan, I can see the appeal to it. You know, I had one of my reporters who was covering the news freak out about it. I think she almost decided to go out and get more Starbucks than she usually drinks. It's a, it's a great thing, and it's not just going to be delivering coffee. You know, I eventually think that you know they'll eventually start to maybe open up the platform and maybe become a delivery service for other smaller companies and, you know, maybe generate some additional revenue that way. So, it's a, you know, Howard Schultz and his team, you know, are definitely forward-thinking people, and, you know, it's a big announcement. Um, you know, right now it's still in early trials. It's only going to be, I think, in, in Seattle and New York. Um, but, you know, it's I suspect that, you know, like almost every other thing that Starbucks does, it'll probably be a success. Suspect as well. Now, instead of looking forward like Howard Schultz, let's go back, back to when you and I were probably teenagers or 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 youths, and Mario and Nintendo. What's the big announcement? What's the big story these days going on there? Nintendo coming to smart devices was probably the biggest thing in tech, probably since. Um, you know, it's that it's. It, it's, I even hesitate to compare it to something because it was so unexpected um, because Nintendo had been so public about not wanting to come to mobile. So this is a really big thing. I mean, for years, you know, when, I was, when we were kids and even, you know, as teenagers, everybody loves playing Mario, Luigi, Donkey Kong. And, for you know, with the invention of the smartphone, you know, Nintendo kind of lost a little bit of relevance until the Wii was a monster hit. But since the Wii's dominance, you know, which kind of peaked around 2009, 2010, Nintendo's lost a little bit of luster over the past half a year, or past half a decade, five years or so. And Nintendo really hasn't been relevant in the eyes of gaming um, consumers, especially on mobile, because people are increasingly turning to these freemium games, these casual games, where they can just pick up their iPhone or their iPad and, you know, Play for a little bit, whereas they couldn't do that with Nintendo games, and now they're going to be able to. So this opens up a humongous opportunity for both Nintendo and the, its gaming partner DNA to get, you know, these characters in the hands of you know nearly two billion people, versus what Nintendo has right now. And what's interesting about it is Nintendo is a publicly traded stock, and the day that they announced that they're going to be having Donkey Kong on an iPhone stock went up 20, 25%. It was, it was pretty sexy, all things considered. And you're like, Donkey Kong sexy? But yet yeah. it is, because it's like me and you. We, you know, if you have children, like, I want my children to play what I played and see how bad video games once were. Uh, very retro, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the stock jumped again yesterday. Investors are loving this, because it opens up this enormous world, this enormous generation of people who never looked at Nintendo as anything more than something my parents or my older cousins played when they were kids. And now it's, hey, you know, maybe I'll get a chance to play Mario or Luigi or, you know, Donkey Kong, like you said, you know, on my iPhone or my iPad. This is it's a great thing for Nintendo. They haven't announced exactly what games and what characters they're going to build but you can be sure that Nintendo does software better than most gaming companies, and they're going to take their time with this, and they're going to do it right. And I suspect that 
they'll be able to make quite a bit of money on this. Let's just say they sell a game for four bucks or five bucks, which is crazy. Maybe they sell all the games in a package for ten dollars. Apple's going to make thirty percent of that through their Apple Store and Google as well. So it seems to be a win-win. And it's almost reminiscent of, of Disney. You know, Disney pulls out an old Cinderella cartoon, or you know, limited time release. See an old Disney film only in theaters for one month or only on DVD for one month. It's intellectual property, and it shows you how, how important that is for not only Nintendo, but other companies as well. Absolutely. I mean, that library has not been monetized effectively. And I spoke to some big investors about this yesterday. And as part of what Japan is trying to do, um, you know, trying to reform its economy, they're really placing an emphasis on return on equity. And what that means is they're trying to get a higher return on, you know, some of the assets and you know the cash that it has, the cash that these companies on that have on their books, try to keep you know the, the return on the cash a little bit lower, so that they're getting the best benefit for shareholders. And one way to do that is to monetize, you know, old intellectual property. And there's, as far as I'm concerned, in the gaming consuming, uh, gaming community, there's no better intellectual property than what Nintendo has. They've been doing it successfully for almost 35 years now. You know they've been they've consistently reinvented themselves. They've consistently stayed relevant, and with this announcement, you know even though they're going to split some of the money with Apple and Google, like you said, it's still a great opportunity for Nintendo. Now I'm speaking with Chris Siaccia, tech editor at TheStreet.com. Any other stories or anything else out there kind of making its way up your trend? I think the big thing to watch out for for today and tomorrow outside of, you know, if you can get away for a second from watching the NCAA tournament, is what's going on with Tesla. They have this big battery announcement later today. Elon Musk has promised to end range anxiety. I'm not sure quite exactly what he's going to do. A lot of people that I have spoke to have speculated that it's going to be a battery swap, but I don't necessarily agree with that, considering he said it's going to be something that's software-related. I think maybe, you know, Tesla come out, comes out and says, you know, the battery actually has more capabilities than we've let on. Um, and through this software uh, update, you know, you can run the battery even down further, thus ending range anxiety. And maybe it has something to do with the supercharger network as well. So, you know, obviously Tesla's known for its cars. But I think the bigger issue here is what they do with battery and energy storage. And I think this is just, you know, a continuation of Elon Musk's complete transformation of the energy grid in this country. Elon Musk is kind of an interesting guy because he's both loved and he's also kind of mocked a little bit. Uh, he's not selling a lot of cars, and yet he's got a car valuation issue that in the end he is a production company. And He's also saying that he wants to sell cheap cars down the road, so he's a, a real tough one for Wall Street to digest on. If you're going to sell luxury, you're going to sell luxury, but if you're going to try to get the, the cheaper cars for the people, then that's going to kill your margins. And It's a lot of questions marks on him, and uh, like you said, he's going to come up with a software update today to end range anxiety, and if, if he suddenly like, doubles the range of the car goes, the stock goes crazy, right? Absolutely. I mean, the stock moves on every word that comes out of his mouth, whether it's good or bad. So if it's something that Wall Street's not expecting where it's, you know, like it's a massive um, update to the range, you know, the top range for the Model S right now is about 270 miles to a charge. So if we see something like 
400 or 500, then I can I can only imagine what the stock is going to do, and it's, I would expect that to be exceptionally positive. Oh, and if it's not, if it's disappointing, he can still say, you know, I got magic coming down the road. He's he's an interesting guy. Chris, anything else that you're seeing on your desk that's interesting to talk about? Uh, I think probably outside of Tesla, probably the biggest thing go upcoming is probably, you know, the release of the Apple Watch. You know, there's obviously a lot of, you know, hype surrounding last week's event and Apple delivered. It's still it's still a question on the high end as to whether how many people are going to buy the high-end watch and whether it's going to be an heirloom or whether it's going to be obsolete in a couple of years. But I'm I'm really interested to go to an Apple store, spend 15, 20 minutes trying it on, seeing what it can do, what it can't do, how it feels on my wrist. And, and you know, ultimately, I think that probably I, you know, like, you know, millions of other people this year probably will wind up buying an Apple Watch, ultimately making it a success. But I think it's going to be a harder sell for Apple and, you know, some of these other companies that are involved in smartwatches compared to selling smartphones or tablets because I feel like, you know, a smartphone was basically just a, uh, a miniaturized computer. We were already used to having phones. So all they're doing is adding capabilities to a phone and making it that much easier, whereas now we've kind of become accustomed to not wearing watches anymore. We just use our phones to tell times. So it's going to be a harder sell for consumers to realize why they need to own an uh, Apple Watch or other smartwatch. But I think ultimately they're probably very successful as Apple is with everything or almost everything. What did you think about the Wall Street Journal report that Apple's getting ready to release a product that offers CBS, ABC, Fox, ESPN, and other content programming, 25 channels of basic cable minus NBC? We've got about 30 seconds. Any thoughts on that? I think Apple is on the right track. Everyone is trying to do their own OTT service. I think if there's any company that succeeds, it's Apple because not only it's an enormous user base, but it has so much cash and it has the Apple cache. So if Apple can do it, more power to them. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia, tech editor of thestreet.com. Always insightful, always fun to talk with as far as tech issues go. Who's not a tech nerd at heart, right? I am. Find him at thestreet.com. I'm Rob Black. Just clap your hands. Where's that? go through some headlines. Yellow cabs are outnumbered by Uber cars on New York City streets. Technically, there's 14,088 registered Uber cars in New York City. Technically, there's 13,587 yellow cabs. Um, But the number of rides in a cab, about 440,000 per day, compared to about 20 to 30,000 Uber rides, because again, a lot of Uber drivers aren't doing it full time, and eh, it's kind of a hobby slash they can do, pick up someone on their way to work. Um, 
but that's a little bit of a change in the guard. There's no doubt about that. And it's technology. And there was a, uh, a Silicon Valley investor yesterday. His name's Keith Rebois. He said one of the most interesting things that he's noticed in the last decade is how the ability of math and machines to replace humans' judgment. And one of the things that he was tying that to was, like, we'll probably cut down the number of doctors and lawyers that we have. And you think about everything that the Internet has disrupted, newspapers, radio, television, music, huge. Some of it, it disrupts more than others. He says it's finally possible now to start using data and machine learning techniques to replace judgment of experts in law and healthcare. He said, for example, if medical software can sift through massive amounts of data to automatically diagnose a patient without having to go through a human doctor, healthcare would become much more affordable. He's invested in a few healthcare startups. One of them uses data all the way back from 2007 to automatically recommend different courses of care that may be different from what's been prescribed under uh, previous standards. So he's seeing the money. His money is going into these companies. And another example that he had um, was his boss, Vinod Kosla. He said, if you want to be a doctor in the future, you're better off learning math and statistics and biology and chemistry. An example, Apple released a new developer framework called ResearchKit last week that's going to be used in the healthcare app. Based on ResearchKit, University of Rochester is developing an app called Empower that can use the data it gathers to assess the level of Parkinson's disease by simply listening to the user's voice. In what used to be trying to get studies of 300 people, a massive undertaking, now you can get studies of 30,000 people. And Parkinson's has to do with the user's voice, and that data can be all analyzed via computer. He also said a lot of startups you know, are going to pop up in this field. What areas do you actually have to go to an expert and ask advice for and counsel? Um, one of the best areas, he's saying, for, for startups now is like people that are going to replace expensive things in our society or computers that can replace expensive things in our society. Doctors and lawyers. Um, and again, doctors and lawyers just scoffed at me. I know, I know. Um, but I certainly would have no problem with telemedicine and I certainly have no problem um, if I had a history of Parkinson's or if I had a history of heart disease kind of watch or any sort of data collecting sampler to say, Rob, you need to up your medication or Rob, you need to get to a doctor today. You're having, Rob, you're having a heart attack. Target's going to increase wages to at least $9 an hour for all workers in April. Walmart did it. TJX did it. It's going to create a little bit of wage inflation. Target's going to agree to pay $10 million to settle a class action suit over its massive data breach. I call that one a loser. Why? Because a lot of people were affected. And a lot of lawyers are going to get most of that money. It's not going to. Come on. Do you think it's really going to go to the people who uh, got hurt? Nearly 40% of iPhone owners are interested in buying an Apple iWatch. Uh, that's really good news for Apple because analysts are predicting somewhere between 5 and 10. But survey, survey says up to 40%, nearly 40%. Um, interesting. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Earlier we were talking about Nintendo. So now let's talk about Angry Birds. Publicly traded company Rovio Entertainment 
said that revenue and operating profits fell in 2014 as a small rise in mobile gaming revenue, failed to compensate for a big decline in tie-in merchandise and licensing sales. A couple years ago, you'd open your door on Halloween, ticker cheat, and you'd see an Angry Bird costume. Dad had it on his phone, Junior picks it up, plays the phone. Junior wants to be an Angry Bird for Halloween. Plush animals that you can sleep with. Games that you can uh, throw the Angry Birds at, like... <clears throat> so I don't remember the games of childhood where you would stack bricks, like Jenga or something like that, and so you could pull them out. But there's been a big rise in games of, you know, you could get a catapult and launch your Angry Bird, a big wooden structure, and knock it down. Eh... Rovio is going to cut to 110 jobs, about 14% of its workforce. This is one of the problems with the one-hit wonders. Uh, the company also saw its longtime CEO, Makir Head, step down. <clears throat> um, last year, the revenue dropped to about $170 million. Can you imagine? Angry Birds still pulled in $170 million. Uh, Rovio's problem is that with Angry Birds, it's free-to-play business model. There's really not a lot of loyalty. And free-to-play game titles can be downloaded free. Players then make in-game purchases to enhance their gaming experience. Rovio originally built its business on charging a small fee for the download. So, didn't really translate terribly well. Google Intel and Tag Heuer are going to collaborate on a Swiss smartwatch. Watch out, Apple. They're shaking. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Did I tell you that Apple's going to be the number one seller of watches as far as revenue goes in year one of the iWatch? And again, I'll say it. You don't have to. That's fascinating. Best thing you can do if you want to get rich, max out your 401k, your 403b, your 457. Whatever plan that your employer gives you, if you're not someone who has a plan, open up a Roth IRA. That's what I would do. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.